this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Mentorship in finance accounting is more important than ever as the economy and job market changes. That's one of the reasons Financial Executives International is launching a new mentorship platform as part of FEI Engage. In this episode of the podcast, we will listen to some of the most relevant discussions that FEI's Olivia Berkman had last year as part of FEI Engage's How I Got Here series. In order of appearance, you will hear highlights from Olivia's conversations with Edward Dickerson and Kevin McBride of ServiceNow, followed by Wes Brecker of PwC and Talia Smith of Deloitte. So I want to pivot a little bit now. You fairly recently launched Edualina Coaching. Mm-hmm. And so that so it's aimed at helping diverse rising leaders unlock their power and change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. Talk about like your motivation to do this. Uh, obviously, just from this conversation and our, my intro early, like you have quite a full plate already. Um so what was, what was the motivation to do this and, and talk a little bit about like what you get out of it? Yeah. Um, there were a few motivations. The starting point was I would get, I was very fortunate to be able to mentor quite a few people over the course of my career. Um, I think because I didn't have examples in my household and necessarily like in my immediate, um, sort of orbit, we'll use that term for now. Um, I had to learn a lot of things on my own or really look and seek out people who I could get advice from. And so I tend to be the type of person where if I've learned something, if I can help you kind of skip the painful part, (laughs) um, and it doesn't mean you don't have to do the work, but if I can help you skip the painful part, I'd love to be able to do that. And so I've always been someone who offered my time quite uh, liberally. And when I when I stepped into my first chief of staff role, um, supporting the corporate controller and chief accounting officer at Alphabet, um, I realized one of the things that I wanted to do more of or better because it wasn't just about supporting them, but also their leadership team and other leaders within their organizations, various you know um, sort of levels down within the organization, was that I wanted to continue to help them harness what they already had inside of themselves. And I wanted more tools to be able to do that effectively. So that was sort of the professional driver, which is I'm good at mentoring. I'm good at giving advice and so on, but how can I get more tools to do that more effectively that allows people to take more ownership of what we're working on or working through. And then you match that with the mentoring. I often was mentoring people of color. I helped to, to, found and grow our black finance population by what was it almost 10x in the few years I was in finance. And so that was important, but I I found like I wanted to have more tools to help rising talent just in general. And so I went and pursued a certification and it was an amazing experience because I'm able to bring those tools into how I interact with all talent that I manage, that I lead, that I get to interact with. but the, the launch of Edwalina coaching was really about um, taking all of those things that I had already been doing with executives, 
And then through mentorship and saying, if I can take this and enable talent to be great um, and hopefully um, uh, help a few more people that look like me rise <laughs> in these various professions or in these um, in the industry, especially in tech, um, that would be amazing. I would love to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, I wasn't always the most senior person in a conversation, but I can still add value to a, quite a seasoned and senior person in creating awareness. And I learned those tools and techniques through getting my certification and then through having my own practice and wanted to sort of be able to really tap in and hopefully continue to create equity in the ecosystem. So I want to, I'm curious, what kind of career advice or even just like leadership soft skill advice do you find yourself giving maybe most frequently to the people that you work with? Like, what do you kind of, what's like a common thread that you come back to a lot? Mm. Um, there's probably two. Okay. Not exactly tied, but I, they, they're both popping up a lot for me. I think one of the things that is really, really, really important um, is sort of the combination of self-awareness and listening. Um, it can be really difficult for you to evolve, to progress if you're not listening for ways for you to grow. Um, and also listening because I think we talked about this earlier on, which is there's, there's very, there's not ever really going to be a situation where you know everything. There's always going to be space for learning. And the best ideas don't always come from the most senior person on a call, or they won't always be your own. And so I think that listening and that self-awareness is so key. And so that's a theme that I think comes up quite often um, and helping others have that self-awareness. So when they're bringing things up, I'm like, okay, so let's talk about what your role was in that. Let's talk about kind of how you, what you brought to that space or that disagreement or that, you know, that fracture that might've happened. And what can we learn from that that can shift in you um, is an example, right? So that's like one theme. And then I think the other theme that comes up probably most with individual contributors, just people who don't have large teams, they may be influencing across the organization, but people who have, who don't have maybe direct reports. Um, and I think it still holds true, even if you do happen to have a team, or even I think this holds true for myself, which is um, we are each sort of the CEO and founder of the startup of us. And at the same time, we're employee one of one. And what that means is you're responsible for understanding your market. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to, what gap are you going to fill? You're responsible for delivering an amazing product. So those are your deliverables. You're responsible for the sales and marketing around that product. So telling the success story, telling the impact story and getting back up and doing it again. Like, you can't, you can't rely on anyone else to do that work for you. Um, you've got to do the work. You've got to understand what unique value you're adding. And then you've got to be able to tell that story. Um, and you play all of those roles in, in articulating, you know, what it is that you do. And so I think that that's really important as well. And it comes up quite a bit. And I give that advice to people. So tell us a little bit more about your transition from KPMG to, I think the company you told me was 
Cascade Microtech, right? And you said that they were pre-IPO. Yeah. Tell us about that yeah. transition and and kind of how you made that decision. And um, and if you don't mind, maybe talking about why you said the fit wasn't great for you. So maybe expand yeah. on that a little bit more, uh, if if you could. Yeah, sure. Let me let me actually do because I went like I said, I, I started at KPMG, went to Cascade, went back to KPMG, went to Krillian. And then went to Intel, and all that happened in you know four-year span. Um, for me, I got married shortly after joining KPMG. About a, uh, I guess, about a year, year and a half after that, and then we had a kid. And the grind from public accounting was quite a bit because I was, like I said, I was in high-tech practice doing debt offerings, IPO. We had the long hours, and we had a new, um, a new baby, and that that lifestyle really wasn't, it didn't feel right. Um, and so I left looking for a change and, and Cascade was a client of mine and it, it looked like a great opportunity. The company was profitable. It was growing and they had aspirations to go public. Um, and they were also in the midst of an acquisition. Uh, this was 1990, I think it was six. Um, market cooled down, IPO market cooled off, the acquisition didn't go through. And, and um, the controller of the company, Marie Akeley, who's still a friend of mine and a mentor, um, you know, we were having a conversation about, okay, what, what's happening and how does this fit with my career? She just coached me to go back to KPMG, which was, you know, phenomenal coaching. And actually that type of uh, orientation to people has actually left a really strong impression to me to make sure that as um, coaching and developing people through their career that I'm always matching them with their, their aspiration. And that's exactly what Marie did for me. Uh, when I went back to KPMG, then I uh, was there about a year, became manager and, and stayed another two after that um, before I went to uh, Carillion. And, and when I talk about Carillion not being a fit, that, that was the one I was relating to. You know, I, I made the jump really on money, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it was also pre-IPO. It was a client of mine. I thought the company had, um, you know, great opportunity. They were, they had a strong product offering, uh, good growth. Um, but the diligence, I just didn't quite understand uh, at the time how the company really worked on the background. Even though I had a good understanding of the products and the accounting, had gone through the IPO, you know, the inner workings of the company weren't that familiar to me. And I actually didn't go into accounting when I went there. I went to sales operations. So it was a totally different gig. Um, and the fit was really about priority, uh, culture. And for me, um, it, it just didn't, it just didn't feel like a good fit. So um, I got, I was pretty lucky. A guy that I'd worked for at KPMG who went to the national office and then went to the FASB I was coming back to Portland um, and he decided rather than go be a partner at, at KPMG, he, he went to Intel. And so when he landed at Intel to build the accounting policy group, um, you know, as soon as he got there, he gave me a call. And at that time, you know, I had a young family. I wasn't feeling that great at the company I was at. I knew him really well. Um, and so he was building that technical group. So it just seemed like a, a much better fit for me. And, and actually, the, the thing that I learned through the, the whole cascade in Carillion was, number one, I shouldn't make a decision on money. That was 
the, the absolutely wrong thing. It was hard not to do it. But as I, as I got prepared to, to make the change, I came up with kind of a list of things that I've, I think about and I still think about today in relation to it is the job I'm doing a good fit. And, and there's five things for me. One is, um, you know, the culture, the ethics of a company. That, that is critically important to me that I'm working for a company that has good values and those values permeate the organization. You know, product leadership or service, whatever that, that company is, but leadership products. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to work for a company that, that's winning, um, that's at the top of their game. And, and, and it's okay, the company, you know, look, technology is marked with innovation and disruption. So you're not always, it's not always winning and you go through the ups and the downs, but that, that, that fight for being at the top is a, is a great place uh, to work when you're, when you're in that battle. Um, you know, another one of the priorities was growth, that I can personally grow and contribute. So that, in other words, there's doors that are gonna open up presuming that I contribute and I'm successful in my contributions. Um, another one is strong balance sheet. And I want to know I get, I can get paid. <laughs> and the final one is, is actually the compensation. Um, and that it's fair compensation that it's, um, you know, it's in keeping with the market. It, I, I, it doesn't need to be the best. I certainly don't want it to be the worst, but it has to make sense in relation to the other fours and, and in relation to, to the market. So for me, that that's really what the back and forth taught me is that, you know, don't make a jump for, um, don't make a jump for the money, don't make the jump for the title, make a jump or the move when it fits. And so for me, that when I came to Intel, I had, I had that learning, I had those boxes and, you know, I, I got to meet a ton of people um, and people that I had worked with at KPMG that were out at Intel. And so I knew what they were like. And so the from a culture standpoint, and they were building a high-powered team, I was pretty excited to do that. And I knew that doing that well would open the doors, you know, an Intel product leader. So anyway, strong balance sheet, it just checked all the boxes. And so for me, when I made the move to Intel, it was a, you know, it was a high confidence move and it was pretty exciting for me. So, that, so that's what got me there from, you know, all the hops along the way. Wave goodbye to your planning challenges Say hello to Intelligent Planning. Board is the global leader in intelligent planning, helping enterprises achieve a better way to plan smarter for a better and easy way to gain actionable insights and better outcomes. With more than 2,000 companies worldwide using Board, the technology designed for FP&A and the Office of Finance allows leading enterprises to discover crucial business insights which drive optimal decision-making and unify strategy, finance, and operations to achieve full control of performance. So plan smarter, drive outcomes, lead transformation with Board. We've talked about, you know, mentors and sponsors and advocates uh, and some action-oriented advice that you've received that was very impactful. As a mentor yourself, is there advice that you find yourself giving often to mentees? Like, for instance, you talked about, um, you know, being encouraged to think long-term and think of a bigger, the bigger picture. So what are some 
some pieces of advice that you find yourself coming back to? It's it's that point that careers should be cumulative, that one position should lead to the next and the one after that, assuming, assuming that someone wants a career. And so I guess the place I always start with those conversations is is really the, the question of what do you want? Because I think some of the most powerful advice I've received, and now I try to offer to others, is to force that question. It's a values question. It's a personal question. It's an individual question. And not everyone wants or needs the same thing. Not not everyone wants or needs the things that were important to me. For some people, maybe they just want or need a job. That's what they need in that moment in time. That can be okay. But it's in forcing that question in a supportive way, in a way that says, I'll give you my best thinking, but let's not assume I know what you want or need. The second piece, assuming you want or need a career that builds one to the next, for me, the next question is, what is your second step? So whatever conversation we're having about the next role at the firm or the next position uh, within the the working uh, environment, what will that lead to? Your planning should at least take you beyond the horizon of that next experience. So if you're looking for a promotion, what does that lead to? What are the kinds of skill sets that you will be building during that next position that leads to the one that follows it. And so for me, as I was coming up through as an associate and then a senior associate, a manager, a senior manager, and now a partner, and then as a partner from leading engagements to overseeing a a business unit and being part of our US leadership team, Each of those pieces, I've arrived at because I've gotten input into what that next job requires. But this does require calibration. If we're we're always looking for the next thing and not doing the job we have, that's equally a mistake. I'm going to be super clear about that. That's equally a mistake. You've got to do the job you have today and you have to do it well. Those are my three points that I generally start with. Yeah, it comes back to the the theme of balance again, is balancing mm-hmm. your long-term goals and what, right. you know, the, the reality of the role that you currently have. Um, you know, we when you look at your career, Wes, it's, it's obviously very impressive and you're very accomplished, but I would like to know from you what some of the bigger challenges were obviously your decision to uh you know join the sec um sounds like a kind of a tough decision what are some of the other challenges that you have faced and and either overcome or or not sure yeah um 
you know, with every one of those uh, positions, uh, th there's there's sort of the uncertainty factor. Can I do the job? Having the confidence, the courage to step into it um, with the vulnerability that maybe I'll fail. And, and so one of the things I've learned over time, and it has been over time, is that uncertainty and vulnerability in careers and jobs, some people either sort of try to do it on their own and they sort of close off and other people reach out. And I've tried to always challenge myself to reach out to ask for help. And so uh, that's probably the area that I've grown consistently across my uh, my years in the career of, of always reminding myself that it'll be okay. I'll feel vulnerable. But so long as I'm reaching out and getting help, then I'll be successful. Um, it, it's, it's also a piece that as I've helped others, either above or below or beside me, to recognize my own obligation to help them. It's that teaming, that willingness to serve others in a office environment, a firm environment, a regulatory environment, that I, I think I've I've learned uh, over time because I've seen that. I've seen my best role models live that out to see even the best of leaders I've I've worked for see themselves in service to the team. I've seen SEC chairs in service to the team. I've seen senior partners at the firm in service to the team. And that's what has given me confidence that I could be successful. Uh, so uh, we did talk about mentorship uh, and soon we're going to get to the, the MAID uh, program, but you are very passionate about mentorship. Uh, I believe that you've mentioned to me before that you've had many mentors in your career and in your life. Um, what advice do you find yourself giving most often to your mentees? Gosh, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, relationships matter. Relationships are, are we use the term in the firm, relationships are currency, right? So when you think about what does money get you when you go into a store, right? It, it gets you, it gets you something of value. Relationships can do that same thing. So that's probably one of the first things I say, because we tend to use the term, oh, you should network. Network is surface. Relationships are deeper. And so um, I tend to say you want to spend time building relationships. And quite frankly, you should probably spend as much time building relationships as you are heads down at your computer um, executing your work. First and foremost, um, uh, that would be uh, the key thing. Um, I think teamwork, you know, having a spirit of teamwork 
is important. And, you know, I'm typically someone who who likes to be in a team environment and, and to not just get something out of it for me, but to support others. And I think that's important um, in building relationships. And so I tell a lot of people um, it's important to practice looking beyond yourself to seeing how can you how can you serve others right and and um you know sometimes you serve as a follower and then what i really try to build this is again coming back to a passion of mine i'm a servant leader i like building servant leaders right that that is my passion helping others to be leaders who serve the greater good and so um i do spend a lot of time uh, uh mentoring my mentees on service and and being a part of a team and, and helping others um, not, I could have, there's such a long list of things, right? Not being short-sighted, um, you know, thinking about your long-term goals, right? I'm not saying that you need to, um, create a plan for 10 years out, but I think you need to have a big picture vision of, uh, what you may want to accomplish. And then in doing that, come up with shorter term goals for, for how you may get there and create as much, you know, opportunities and alternatives and possibilities as, um, as you can. So there, there are just so many things that are out there. I, I love I love coming back to my passion. I love mentoring. And so I probably spend, I would say, four to eight hours a week just in, in, in mentoring conversations uh, with different professionals throughout throughout our organization. Wow. I I, this this really ties into we've talked a, a lot about the the maid initiative. So this is making accounting diverse and equitable. Yes. Uh, and so I want to know first, like like right at the beginning, mm -hmm. um, was your love and passion for mentorship? Do you think that was? I'm sure it was a contributing factor as why you were chosen for uh, the initiative and, and tell us about, you know, how the, how the initiative came to be. So um, I have not been told, <laughs> I, I'm going to be transparent exactly why I was chosen, but I do believe that you were right. Right. Yeah. When, when I think about what was needed to, to create, because I mean, really, this was a this was a commitment, and the and the programs that we have within the commitment did not exist prior to a year and a half ago, right? And so when I think about um, what was needed in order to create and then execute against our our made commitment, um, a part of it was someone who could get stuff done, and and quite frankly, that is my reputation when it comes to serving my clients and all the other things that I've done, and a part of it was a, a passion for our people and an, an understanding of that, right? And so, um, I absolutely do think as as our my senior leaders were looking for someone to take on this role, and they asked, "Here's what we're looking for: we're looking for someone who can get stuff done." And who has a passion for our people, I do believe my brand along those lines um, allowed my name to, to rise to the top of the pile. And, and here is where I am today. I haven't been told that officially, but that that is what I believe. Yeah. And I'd that's why brand, that. brand is brand is so important. Yes. We talked about um earlier when you kind of were discovering accounting and maybe you thought it was one thing and you've mm -hmm. really come to learn that it's it's much more than that. So how does that play into the MAID initiative? Perfect. So, you know, one of the things, and, and to take a quick step back to, to, to prove what we're somewhat solving for here, right? Um, when you look at the number of college students that are graduating with an accounting degree, and then those who start within our, our, our corporate America and within our, our big four accounting firms and other accounting firms, and then those who also pass the exam, 
that number is a small fraction of the whole. And, and, and I'll use the easy statistic of the CPA exam. Less than 5% of certified public accountants, which is one of the highest certifications uh, within this profession, or the highest, um, less than 5% are Black and Hispanic or Latinx. In a country where Black and Hispanic or Latinx make up about 30 to 35% of the country. So just think about that divide, right? Um, and so we took a step back and before you try to like solve for a problem, you have to understand what are the underlying or root causes or barriers associated with the problem. And so when we took a step back, one of the first things that we, we recognized was, you know what, accounting isn't sold as, as, a, as a viable career path within black and brown communities, right? It's not, it's not talked against, but it isn't because of the limited number of us that exist of its senior levels, it isn't something that's well known within black and brown communities, right? And so our first step was we, we need to first go out and share the message of, hey, we exist. And there are successful, um, there are excess, successful leaders out there who look like you, but you can't just stop there. It becomes what's, what's the value proposition? Right. Why should I do this? And and two things tend to resonate. And I'm sure it resonates, um, you know, with with all, but specifically with our, our black and brown youth, two things tend to resonate. The first thing is that this could really change your your trajectory um, from where you started. Right. And so um, there are so many uh, young people who have the same humble beginnings that I did, where you come from a low middle income family and um, the possibility of you know, being able to someday, um, I don't know, own your own car because you've been only taking public transportation, you know, all of your life. Or the fact that, hey, you could have your own bed because you've been sharing a bed or sleeping on the couch. Um, you know, again, just because of the your, your humble beginnings, um, that's a part of the story, right? Sharing the trajectory of how this could, quite frankly, change, change your life. And then um, the second thing is... Um, for a lot of, of uh, youth in our black and brown communities, the support of family is one of the burdens that continues to exist as, as you move on, right? And so I'm being able to say, and I've shared my own stories, hey, I've been able to help my family through this profession, um, you know, support my parents, uh, support my siblings, support my nephews, um, and, and do, you know, some things are more, you know, critical life things and other things are just fun things like a vacation. Um, those are the types of things that that we share. Um, in addition to sharing, here are all of the different types of ways that you can be an accountant. Beyonce has an accountant, you know? And they go, wait, what? Yes, Beyonce has an accountant. You know, she she makes no decisions, business decisions, without probably talking to her accountant. And suddenly it becomes, this could be cool. 